Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. I heard you say rock and roll. It's true. You said it like exactly in this interview, exactly my experience. That you, like you could figure out how to play things, make them sound like the record. And rock and roll comes from people that were incompetent at that and had to make up their own shit. Yeah. That's a hundred percent my reality, yeah, dude. The, I like would try yeah, to learn songs. The between... And then I couldn't like and yeah. I would just it would be easier to just try to start making up my own thing yeah. than to well, keep fucking punk. like Yeah. That's why, you know, the yet, <laughs> kids were sitting there listening to the fucking yes and going, I can't do this and then, yeah. you know, then the Ramones come along. It's like and everybody ah, could do it. I can do that. Yeah. You know? They could do that with Eddie Cochran and with Chuck Berry, too. Yeah. You know, they couldn't play, like, you know, some of that surf shit was too hard, even. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Who's so that? Then, Who's the surf guitar guy? Well, you know, Dwayne Eddie and, you and, know, yeah. And there's somebody else. Well, Dick Dale. Dick Dale, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, he was impossible, man. The guy was a master. Dude, that shirt is awesome. Yeah, it's a, I like it. Everyone's got, getting into it's skulls. Skull, it's got skull. Well, skulls are my favorite. Yeah, I probably got four skull, of them tattooed on my body. Got a ring skull. Uh, got a skull on my cross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where's what kind of shirt is that? It's is, a Robert Graham. I hate to say. You why know? is that bad? Well, because it's so like, you know where I got it? Where? Barney's at that, at that ridiculous, you know. Mall, whatever it is, on 59th Street at Columbus Circle. Mm-hmm. A good one. That's like way like high fashion. That's yeah, good. High fashion. Yeah, but dude, but listen, they had a you sale, buy like man. buy some nice <laughs> shit like that, and you have it for years, probably. Yeah, yeah. You know? it's got skulls, there's man. Not, there's nothing wrong with that. Shirt with I don't skulls. Think. No, you know. That's the only reason I want money is to just be able to go into Barney's and like yeah. fucking go ape shit. I mean, the other option there is like the Ed Hardy looking shit, you know? Yeah. Because a lot of Europeans shop there and oh, they want that. And they have the Ed Hardy yeah, stuff? Yeah, they think that, that well, no, it's that look, you know? Well, no, no, but you know that look, it looks like the shirt is a tattoo, you know? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, right. Of, yeah. Yeah, so I go into Starbucks, there's like, it's empty. Oh, are and, we, oh, is this happening now? Are, like, we're uh, just riffing? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. oh we're already gone. Okay, yeah, so you been, went, to, <laughs> you got me coffee, I thank you, man. You're welcome, thanks for coming here. Got me a blonde Jimmy Vivino. Is that how I say your name? Jimmy Vivino? Jimmy That's v. right. Jimmy V is fine. Yeah. G- oh. Well, you know, Levon nicknamed me Jimmy V because uh, Vivino was not in the Arkansas phone book. It no. just was not there. He couldn't get his head Vivano, around it. Vivino, Vivino. <laughs> when did you play with Levon Hill? Oh, many years. Many years? Many, well, we can get into that, but first tell me about Starbucks. Okay, so I go in there real quick. <laughs> so it's like a, probably a bad rant, but it's like, so there's like six people working there. It's empty. I go and like, I, and I'm in a kind of a rush because I don't want to keep you waiting. I hear that you're already here, but even though I was like dead on time, yes, as, as always, <laughs> I love being on time. I really do. Went to morning yoga too already. Eight a.m. I, I had my alarm set for six thirty. Boom, semen retention. Anyway, we but you did it in tie dye. <laughs> Well, no. no, I got oh. I got dressed. You went up. home and got dressed for me. No, no, I brought this in my in my bag. Well, you know what? So I was, was gonna just second... slob out, but yeah. I knew that Ehud was here. Yeah, and I know that he's like you know probably videotaping everything. He's gonna life. videotape. You look you look great, by fucking, the way. You know he's got a GoPro in his involved. in yeah. his glasses or something. Right now, spy some James Bond yeah. shit. Anyway, and I took a cold shower so at yoga six already. Six people are in there. Six employees. There's it's it's packed with employees 
I order the coffee. The you know two cold brews with cream. Uh, they added sugar the, minus the, sweet, um, and they added sugar. They got it wrong, yeah. and plus, and then, and then uh, the blonde one with cream, and then I got my six shot latte. I have a heavy duty caffeine addiction yeah. happening, and then so um, caffeine society. Yeah, and then so <laughs> the guy brought in like heavy cream on the cold brews. I was like, I didn't say heavy. I just said with cream. He goes, oh, and then so he just re-enter the whole thing, and then like. The coffee, co- like two of the coffees come and then this lady walks in and then she orders something. Then she goes to the milk thing. She goes, all the milks are empty. Like there's six employees. Anyway, see, I know this rant sounds terrible. But then the, then their cold brew's not working. They're like, oh, the cold brew's. I'm like, hey, I'm in a hurry. So if the cold brew, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. <laughs> anyway, end of the <laughs> rant. But first I, world but, problems. No, I bro. know. I know. You can't come. This is I mean, terrible really? to complain about oh, this. Oh, man. Oh, okay. Wait, I know. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, in two days, only two days after Thanksgiving. It's, yeah. It's you're no, totally unthankful again. I know. It's early. <laughs> you're right back, Listen. Man. No, You're in I'm, New York. I'm grateful, right, right. but I'm just gonna. I'm just yeah. saying. Here's the point of the rant: is AI is gonna take over, and it's our own damn fault because we gotta dig deeper. Yeah, you know, fill yeah. the milk up. Anyway, well, that when but AI, I know that yeah. job sucks. So when AI I, like, takes my rant, okay. When AI yeah, takes over, yeah, I don't want okay? AI to. No, take you'll over. have yeah. to push the button. Yeah, you'll have to get the coffee, and you will pay just as much as if somebody was being paid to help. My the thing I right, hate I most suck. is I shouldn't have made that. Right. No, no, no. Mine, no, no, no. Mine is like when I go to the supermarket. I'd be lazy. And they tell me <laughs> check yourself out, but I don't get a discount for doing the work. Right. I know. It's like wait. First of all, you're putting someone out of a job. I resist the check checking myself out. Yeah, there's no jobs because that yeah. AI and is is you know machines. Yeah. You know, and nobody no, wants to work. I, well, they won't be able to. Re- well, apparently too. Actually, they're gonna like AI is gonna start making art. And like put artists out of business, but because we do it with, with AI is gonna like make soulful art because it's, it's gonna like it's already fucked the music business. I know beyond you know, well the, well, the thing is there's there's a generation that doesn't remember mm-hmm. that you could make money <laughs> from right. from residuals and from radio play, yeah, and from all that you know from record sales. And yeah, you would sign a contract that would be like with Lucifer, but mm-hmm. you know you'd still get a nice chunk of the. You'd still be able to sing for your supper. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. You know. I mean, the only good thing about now is that more bands are out playing live because That's true. they're not sitting home collecting mailbox money. Yeah. Like they used to. So. Yeah. You know the band even when when Steely Dan had to go out and you know you just had Bob on right mm-hmm. Night Bob. Night Bob. When Steely Dan had to go out and work mm-hmm. because residuals dried up. Yeah. Those guys never toured. You know. Right. And. It's like that now. So all of a sudden, yeah. you can see anyone you grew up listening to pretty much in a right. an eighties revival. Yeah, I guess Dylan's <laughs> doing a bunch of nights at the Beacon right now. He just did. Now. Yeah, Four yeah. Five, I was gonna yeah. call my. I have a lot of friends in that camp, mm-hmm. and I was gonna call some of my friends in that camp and go over and say hello. And then I remembered, it's either gonna be wonderful, just seeing him at soundcheck and saying hello, yeah. or he's just gonna Don Rickles me and like you know just he's just gonna insult me. And I, when you walk out of it. You know, you can get any any uh, recognition from Bob Dylan is always cool, yeah. even if he slams you that day. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had I known him through Al Cooper. I got to meet him quite a number of times, and right, you it's played always with Al Cooper, been huh? always been a, a, an interesting. So I wanted to go, but uh, I said I don't know. Let me just—it's Thanksgiving. Let me not, you know. 
Let me just do nothing. Let me stay inside. And did because you do New that? York on, on, on Thanksgiving, where I was staying like in Midtown too, uh -huh. the parade people. Were you on your own? Yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah. why? So, no, no, no. But then I went up to Nanuet to see my son and his mom. Oh, okay. On Thanksgiving. Oh, on I took an Uber to Nanuet. Well, okay. How, <laughs> how much did that set you back? Well, you know what? It, it set me back. Wait, here's the other thing it, it set me back twice as much to go as it did to come back. Yeah, right. when you're leaving New York on a holiday and yeah, you need an Uber, enough. it's double price. It's double. Yeah. Oh, it's double. Yeah. Coming back, it's normal price. You should have so, got a what? chopper. Yeah, well, you know. Oh, yeah. I should have called. <laughs> What's it? Where is that? Called, six, 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 six. He said that Steely Dan seven, would, seven, order, seven, would order choppers. Yeah. What? Six, six, six? No, seven, 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 seven. What's that? Carmel. Oh, yeah, We love you. Yeah, yeah, You know those guys? Yeah. We love you, Bobby. That's great, man. Yeah. When did you first meet Bob Dylan? Uh, let me see. Uh, the first time. I was playing with Johnny. No. I was playing with Al Cooper <laughs> uh -huh. at, the, at the Lone Star. Yeah. And, uh, and, we, and, we're, and, and uh, Al turns to me on stage and he says, hey, look, look, look against the wall. See that guy that looks like the Unabomber over there? Mm -hmm. That's Bob. Mm -hmm. I said, really? Yeah, he's got a hoodie on and sunglasses. Right. And a blonde wig. You no, know, no, no, you can't even see anything. It's like a, you know, the way the Unabomber just picture. The, just it's the just eyes. like a it's a hoodie and, and sunglasses and then a, a leather jacket over the hoodie. Mm -hmm. you know? Bob is here. So, oh, yeah, he's going to come up when we take a break. We go upstairs at the Lone Star and, uh, and uh, in the dressing room and Bob comes up. <laughs> And hey man, we're saying hey man, it sounds great. Everything. Al says, Bob. So Bob, you want to sit in? And Bob says to Al, uh, Yeah, you know that song, uh, After the Lights Go Down Low. You know that one. You know Al Hibbler did it. I don't and, know. Uh, that. Yeah, <laughs> After the Lights Go Down Low. Right. Then you'll know. And Al says to Bob, But Bob. We just did that in the first set. We played that song. Right. And Bob says, yeah, but I could sing it good. <laughs> and then I, then I got it right away. I got it. Those guys have known each other forever. Right. Know? And I got it that there was going to be zingers right. always. Uh -huh. you know? and, uh, and the next time after that, and he was cool. He's really me. funny, isn't he's he? He's very funny. He's hysterical. He's, look, he's the smartest guy in the room. Yeah, you know? yeah. He's the son. There's nothing... You know, it's it just direct line, really. You know, Jimmy Rogers and, you know, and and Muddy Waters mm. and Chuck Berry yeah. and, and Woody, you know. Mm. Like, Chuck really set up Bob with the, you know, I, 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 Johnny's I, in the basement I, cooking up. You know, told, that's, 100%. that's monkey business. Dude, it's yeah. a hundred. Like, when yeah. I hear Chuck Berry, it's, yeah, Bo it's, it's Bob Dylan. Yeah. It's, yeah, like, well, it's like, that's where I yeah. feel like he got, like, Chuck Berry is like. I don't like, think Bob would deny that. No. You know? But it's, like, really Yeah, a lot intense. of it. The poetry, too. They're both yeah. poets. Yeah. So, anyway, the next time I'm with Johnny Johnson, a, a great piano player uh -huh. from Chuck's, Chuck's uh, world. And we're playing at Montreux Jazz Festival. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and Dylan comes to see us with Tony Garnier, my friend, who's his music director and bass player. Mm. And they come to see us. And it was cool. And then uh, I walk into a room with Tony, and Bob leaves like a crowd of people. It comes over to say hello to me. Mm -hmm. And then I realize he just wants to get away from those people. <laughs> so, so See, you're humble, so, dude. You know, he came over and says... Hey, let's go upstairs and see. And I, you have to do Bob when you talk about. As uh, and I hope he doesn't hear this. Yeah. 
hey, let's go upstairs. Amos Garrett's playing upstairs. Mm-hmm. I said, wow, Amos Garrett. You know, he, I saw him with the Butterfield Band, and he played that great solo on Midnight at the Oasis with Maria Muldar. Mm-hmm. Just this fabulous, you know, guitar player. We went up to see Amos. At, and then Bob was cool, man. We just hanging out until mm-hmm. somebody recognized him and started giving him a hard time, and then we left. Uh, and then I got a call <laughs> later. I got a call from Tony. He says, Bob wants you to come down and play. You know, and and so I went down. There was some players I knew, Ian Wallace, who's passed away, the drummer, and Tony, myself, and and Bob kept asking me if I played pedal steel, and I kept saying, no, I, I, I play lap steel. Mm-hmm. And then every five minutes, you sure you don't play pedal steel, right? It's <laughs> so just man, a pedal. Get me one. Get, get a, me get, one. You, I'll, you, I'll you learn can it. figure it you out. Know, so uh, uh, needless to say, I... Didn't play pedal steel, so maybe Bucky Baxter or somebody got the gig. I didn't get the gig, mm. but it was it was fun to play with them, yeah. and and the situation too was really cool. You know, we just were throwing some. He was just throwing some records on and saying, "Dig that," and then come in and show us something, going for the groove of a certain record or whatever. You know, just mm. inspiration, and uh, and like and I called Harvey Brooks, who I played with for years, who. Who played on the Highway 61 record with Bob and uh, was in favorite. the Electric Flag? You know, yeah. great bass player. Moved to Imad Ali and now lives in Israel. Uh, <laughs> Rabbi Harvey. Shout out and I Harvey. said, "What's what was Bob doing that that night when he just kept putting records? He had that little, you know, one of those little portable record players From we had. Urban Outfitters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before that, I don't know. I think it was a wind up, man. So he kept putting the record on and leaving the room, and then you know, oh, it's a Leonard Cohen song. Oh, it's a Whatever, mm. and then uh, then Harvey said, "Oh, he's probably writing, man." You know, that's funny. And he's just like just like throwing shit out into the air, and uh, you know, around that kind of genius, um, it's you, you see it, you can feel it right away. What you is know, it? That, what, that, you, what? There's ghosts in this place. This place? Oh yeah. Oh, that's a delivery. John, yeah, I thought that was Kenny Clark's ghost. Maria, Maria Moldar gave me the best compliment I ever got on my singing because I sang on something with Jenny Moldar on her. On I just her. talked to her at the airport. That, we came to, we came across her. That, that's her funny. And Ted. Yeah, Shout out Jenny Moldar. She's down. He's a neighborhood chick. Yeah. yeah. But so like she, uh, Maria heard the thing, this thing we sang, and she goes, "Who's that black guy singing with you?" And Jenny said. Uh, Oh no, that's my friend Joe. He's not black. And then Maria said, "Are you sure?" <laughs> no, are you sure? Are you Sephardic by any sure. chance? And then Lou Reed was there. <laughs> Lou, yeah. Lou Reed was there when she told me that. And then Lou said, "Man, you should get that tattooed on you." <laughs> <laughs> Lou. Yeah. Lou. Uh, oh my God, Lou. Did you ever meet him? Yeah. Did you play with him? Uh, met him and was how or messed something? Messed around a little, but oh yeah, uh, the best. <laughs> And Lou's gone, so I yeah. guess I can tell this story now. But we Rest went to in peace. We all, all went to uh, yeah. we all went uh, we love to Doc Lou. Pomus's funeral. Oh, I I, uh, I did that th- that tribute to Doc Pomus with them in Brooklyn. Well, the funeral was at yeah, that because he wrote Magic and Lost for Doc. Oh Pomus, yeah, right? yeah, that whole yeah. Thing. He he loved Doc Pomus. Yeah, he loved you know? him. He really did. He he loved him almost to a fault, as if no one else loved Doc. Oh really? Like <laughs> and, he, uh, and you know, and he I mean, took God up bless all the Lou. love. No, yeah. God bless Lou. There wasn't room for any of us to love Doc as much <laughs> as, as Lou. Lou did. Right. But we went. Uh, there's a where's that chapel over behind the Beacon Theater? Uh, it's like a you know, it's it's actually like a ta- Jewish chapel of some sort for you know where we so we had the the service was there and everybody was there and 
and uh, Dr. John or Mac, we just call him Mac, was playing the organ, you know, for, for the service. And um, I think I was sitting with Paul Schaefer and Seymour Stein. And I'm an honorary Jew. I got, I got see, I have my own uh, mezuzah. I got. Nice. Uh, I feel like I'm an honorary. I was, Jew I was, no, I was, uh, uh, I had to be, uh, oh, you're, you're, I had to sub for uh, Steve Katz. Hey. Come on, y'all. What the I fuck? feel like my father's ghost. It's a carpenter's. <laughs> right, I'm about to get in the fetal position and cry in the corner. So, uh, you know, no, I, I was. Uh, we had a, a bar mitzvah ceremony for uh-huh. me. Oh, for real? So, so I could you, play with the act- blues project. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> the Jewish Beatles. Really? But anyway, we were at this uh, t- a temple. <laughs> Is that a joke or for no, real? No, it's true. Oh really? They brought it. Wasn't a real rabbi. Oh okay. It was an actor. Wow. But uh, it was like Al Cooper saying, mm-hmm. "Oh, if you're gonna play with us, you have to be Jewish." Really. Yeah, so you know, uh, oh, that's I great. said, "Well, I'm close." And you're still I, I, wearing it. Yeah. That's so and yeah, and uh, that's a nice this piece. one though came from Mike Bloomfield's brother Alan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we went and we at the funeral, and then we're going to move the whole thing over to St. Anne's. There's going to be a celebration. People are mm-hmm. going to sing. Yeah. We're going to have people do testimonials, get up and talk about Doc. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Adams, the great singer from New Orleans, was there, yeah. and he's going to sing. So Johnny sang. He went up and sang, and he's doing all this great stuff. He sings "Ooh Poopa Doo," you know. Yeah. They call me the most, you know. He's up there doing that, and then people are starting to talk. And Lou gets up <laughs> in his lunus <laughs> and says, "Epic lunus." <laughs> I have something to say about Doc Palmas. The first thing I want to say was I didn't come here to hear Ooh Poopa Do. You know, oh that's my. typical Luke. That's beautiful. You know? that's, and, I, I, yeah, and then like, he just went into this beautiful, <laughs> but then he just, first he had to get that out of the way. And there. then he just went into this beautiful eulogy about Doc, and yeah. then he left the stage. And then Mac Revenet comes on and says, if Doc had been here, the first thing he wanted to hear was Ooh Poopa Do. Nah. <laughs> Oh, snippity snap. Yeah, yeah. snap. And then Mac went on to do one of his funny things about, you know, everybody had a great story about uh, about uh, about Doc. And I just remember playing the Lone Star when I first came to town, and mm-hmm. Doc was always parked there. Yeah. You know, because I'd be there with Benny King or with, you know, Johnny Johnson or with whoever, all the people, the R&B people he wanted to see. Yeah. Or any night I would go, he would be there. Yeah. You know, and then I met him through Ellie Granich, I was working with, and the, all the songwriters knew Doc, you know. Uh-huh. He wrote some of the greatest songs ever. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I did Viva Las Vegas. That's his? Yeah. Save the Last Dance for Me. Yeah. He wrote about his wedding, uh-huh. that he couldn't I- dance with his wife at his wedding because oh. he was on in a wheelchair. Oh, okay. Uh, Oh, he wrote, oh, my God, Wear Your Ring Around My Neck for Elvis. Mm. A whole bunch of good stuff, man. I think a uh, uh, lot of drifters, mm. a lot of drifter stuff back in those days. Him and uh, Mort Schumann yeah. were like writing partners. Yeah, yeah. in the, in the Brill Building days when guys would get together in a little room yeah. and say, let's bang one out. You know? That's a great way to write songs. Well, yeah. Just like... like you on know, a daily basis. On a daily basis. It's it's hard for me to do that though because I stack too many songs and then I feel like I got to do something with them before I write more. Well, it's funny in those days, you know, uh, and I learned, you know, when I came to town and uh, and Paul Schaefer kind of mentored me in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Is that how you started the late night TV thing with Paul? Well, no. Well, Paul never hired me because he knew I would get my own gig one day. Right. So he never wanted me to have to yeah, to have he, two leaders in he his got band. Letterman, you got Conan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I was uh, you know working um, 
uh, at the bottom line a lot uh-huh. at the time. Fucking with, wish that place was still around. Oh, man. What I, a great place. You know, uh, it, more the most important joint ever to me because I'm I came in town I was, was working with Al Cooper there and Phoebe Snow and Laura Nero and a whole bunch of mm-hmm. whoever you know I, I remember doing shows for Cousin Brucie there with what, know, what year uh, starting in the 80s yeah because I went there when I got right out of high school it was like a spring chicken dude it's hard and, to believe and like 74 yeah uh, when they opened or 73 right and uh, and saw everybody I mean, everybody would come through there. Major acts came. Muddy Waters would be coming through there, mm-hmm. man. You know, everybody just uh, and uh, so uh, Alan Pepper, who ran the place, uh, he saw. And then the Uncle Floyd show. And my brother, we put we put the live Uncle Floyd show. So my brother Floyd had that show mm-hmm. uh, in Jersey in late seventies. I think from seventy six, you know, probably to eighty six or something. But that's where I met like Joey Ramone and David Johansson mm-hmm. and the punks. Yeah, you know, I mean, Cindy Lauper went on the show, and so all the new wave people were going on there. Bowie went on the show. You mm-hmm. know, Bowie would come and see us live. We'd be backstage at the bottom line, ready to do an Uncle Floyd show, and David Bowie would be back there. And I just related this to Tony Visconti the other day when mm-hmm. we went to uh, a party. I saw him at. I said, "You remember you and David be back there at the Floyd shows?" And I'd be talking to you. Floyd would come by and go. Get these guys out of here. We got, I don't care who they are. We got a show to do. And they, right. Bowie loved it. Right. He loved having his ass kicked out of backstage. Yeah. He was like, wow, this guy doesn't care who I am. Right. And, you know, John Lennon told Bowie about my brother, you know. Uh, he, should, he should go and see this guy. And uh, so everybody came through the bottom line. That's why I started working there. And then with Phoebe and Al Cooper and everybody. So Alan Pepper put this show together. The Wait songs a minute, so are, Floyd was your brother? Yeah, that's my oldest brother. Your yeah. oldest brother. And what yeah. did he play? Piano. He played piano. Like Jimmy, he's like Jimmy Durant. And how, how many siblings do you come from? Um, Jerry was the other one, uh-huh. middle child, a saxophone player. Oh, okay. He's been with me forever. We, we work together all the time. That's amazing. Well, you know, we had a, um, we had a dance team in 1964. I think I was nine. Mm-hmm. And uh, we danced at the World's Fair, you know, the Jersey Pavilion. We You're a dancer. Like, well, we were, we, we, you know, because our parents told us if you want to be in showbiz, you got to dance, you got to sing, dance, act, play an instrument, you know, yeah. <laughs> you got to be like those Osmond kids, right? They, and they were like little kids on Ed Sullivan, you know. Yeah. And uh, so we went Atlantic City, Tony Grant's cavalcade of stars, and competed in contests, and wow. and uh, you know, all that would. Uh, all that was part of the foundation of showbiz. Yeah. Beyond just rock and roll. Right. You know? And I was a trumpet player, so right until I was like, you know, in my 20s. So oh, I, really? Yeah. You so started I, guitar late. Well, at 23, I switched to guitar. I had been playing B3 in bands and stuff. So at 23, I just said, screw all this. I'm not playing the trumpet. I'm not lugging this B3 around mm-hmm. anymore. You know, I'm just right. going to play guitar. So I, you know, went and hid in a show band, which. They don't exist now, but, uh, mm. you know, so so then worked at the bottom line a lot and worked on a show Leader of the Pack with Ellie Greenwich. You know, she was a songwriter mm. from the Brill Building days, like we said yeah. before, and that's where I met Schaefer. Oh, okay. You know, Schaefer had to okay me. So <laughs> it's a Okay great, you for what? For that be music director along with him. Oh. Arranger music, and music director. He had to okay so, you for Conan. Yeah, no, no. For this leader of the pack oh, show, for the of so the pack. Paul okay. was uh, doing 
Letterman at the time. Right. And still doing Already? doing eight shows a week with us for Leader mm. of the Pack. Yeah. But when I had to audition, uh, we were doing these uh, Phil Spector charts. So Paul would say, uh, okay, bring up, come on over and let me see what you got. And I had these horns and strings parts all written out, you know. Mm-hmm. And Paul looks at him and he throws them. I'm sure they're fine. <laughs> you know? Right. Has a lunchbox, Superman lunchbox, filled with some green goodies. Oh, you know? with weed? Harry shares there with him. Uh-huh. They're sitting. He lives. He's the coolest guy I know. He lives in the Gramercy Park Hotel, right? He doesn't live in an apartment. Right. Here's a guy came down from Canada and had such a romantic notion of New York that, Mm -hmm. like Duke Ellington, wanted to live in a hotel. Right. So, so he lived in the Gramercy Park. How can you afford that? I don't get it. Because at that time they hadn't converted it yet, Uh and it was kind of a. Sleazy little joint. Oh, okay. You know, it wasn't. It's like now it's like condos. Chelsea, Chelsea like Hotel. Yeah, from the yeah. Se- he got in there like 76, mm. 77, you know, right. when he started on Saturday Night Live. He says, I've got to live in a hotel. Guys were living at the Chelsea. Uh, he was at the Gramercy Park, but guys were living at the Chelsea for what, $10 mm. a night? I guess. You know? That sounds romantic now. Yeah, well, no, it was in puke and shit. Yeah, I'm man, sure it was know? horrible, but Sid it sounds every- fun. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was a classic, uh, you know, drunk writer's hotel. And there's that guitar shop right down downstairs. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. killer one. Yeah, yeah, Dan's, uh, Danny Courtney's shop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, called uh, what's it called? Danny's gonna kill me. I don't know. I can't remember. Is it still there? Yeah, Pro- on Twenty Third Street. Uh, I got my Fender Tele bass there. Oh yeah, well now like it's like that, it's not as big bass. as it was. Oh nice. Yeah, no, dude, I've had it forever. It does one thing: bass. Yeah. so so that anyway that's where i met paul at that thing and Mm -hmm. then we started working together and you know i I always wanted to be on letterman in in, in the band but i never got a chance to but then then i got i ended up in the same office he was you know the same room but you manifested it anyway yeah so you must have really visualized it a lot i don't know i figured i was gonna work you know Mm -hmm. that's the difference like um there there's there's like People that I'm, I was happy just working. I never wanted to be an artist, so right. I just wanted to work and, and back people up and yeah. and 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 do it the right way. And Paul taught me a lot about you know running a band, yeah. about the rhythm section. You know, if the bass, if the bass and drums have it right, because yeah. we were we this these records were our college, mm-hmm. so we were out to make these bring these records to the stage, you know, yeah. which and, we still do with the Fab Fo, the same thing. So Will and I both learned that. From from Paul, you yeah, know, and um, you play, yeah. and you're in a band with Will Lee. I mean, you really did manifest as close as possible. I would go and see Will. Man, <laughs> like, I mean, you know like, what? I'd go over know, there. To, like, I'd go over to wherever <laughs> Will was playing, and and you know, and I was like 18, you know, and Will was like 20, mm-hmm. you know, and he had already was working at the highest level, right, in the business with yeah. the best people, you yeah. know, and uh, uh, and I said I think I can do that right I think I can do that I think I can like really practice and you know and then also learn to I realize that he's having a good time on stage all the time mm-hmm. that's a you key yeah. yeah you gotta you, you gotta have a good time you gotta get your energy how can you not if you I have your instrument in your hand yeah. you know how can you not have a good time uh, it's possible <laughs> I, I've managed to bum myself out before <laughs> oh, yeah. you know like, yeah that's right Chuck you know, Berry did that for years yeah you can you can get bitter about it you know. But that might be your thing. 
No, it's not mine. <laughs> no. Nah. I'm, I'm into like just the positivity train now, you know? Yeah. Listening to Abraham Hicks a lot lately. Well. You know, have you ever heard of her? Or no, her, no. Where, where are they? It's like a manifesting thing. Like, you know, if you get your energy right, like if you like, just make sure your state is like, like you're happy and you're then you end up manifesting really good things into your life is a, is basically it well, in a nutshell that's always true it's hard yeah. to stay out of that in new york city though it's hard to get yeah, there to though. stay in that rather it's hard it's easy to, to like, get out of it yeah it's hard to like just like fully take responsibility for your state of mind and work on that on a daily basis but like i think people that manifest like lives like what you've done must naturally know how to do that well because part of it is being blessed to never have to do anything mm. but play music. Right. But you that's, know, that's I mean, I did some it. construction with my father. Yeah. And he would do, and he would bring me on, my brothers and me on the job just to make sure, you know, here's a guy that came over from Italy mm -hmm. and, and from a family of carpenters and he had three sons and none of them were going to be carpenters. Right. Because he was the greatest trumpet player I ever heard in my life. Your dad. And he wasn't allowed to do that. No. And his family, in those days said no you know they didn't encourage him and right. so you know he'd come home and play with Louis Armstrong records and nails and shit you know but he was like if you really want to be serious about this you know get your stuff together or just come and mix cement with me and carry shingles <laughs> yeah. you know come up and do some roofing and I did that sometimes you know yeah and uh and you realizing that it. yeah you don't you know it's good for you to do it uh and knowing that and one summer I I, I wanted to get a guitar you know, so I didn't have a guitar, and I worked for a couple of weeks, right. <laughs> got the guitar and quit, you know. <laughs> Said, you know, it was sheetrocking for a while. What was the guitar? Uh, I, think I, in, I think I bought my first Telecaster then. Yeah. At Victor's House of Music in New Jersey. And uh, I guess, you know, everybody could play some guitar, right? Everyone you knew you could play the cowboy chords and started figuring stuff out. Uh, but never was serious about it till maybe another five years later or so when I got mm. serious about it. Um, could play some rhythm guitar in high school, right. sing, you know, but not. There were such great guitar players around, you know, because uh, we grew up listening to Hendrix and Cream and Clapton, yeah. you know, Clapton and Beck and Page and all those guys, you know. Yeah. And that's what, that's what, you know, was like happening back in you know, 67, 68, and going to the Fillmore right. at 13, you know, telling my father we were going to a Yankee game. Did you see Hendrix? Um, no. 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 Uh, I, I <laughs> he had done, he was doing a show at the Garden I didn't get to go to, and uh, but I heard it was the one he walked out on. Oh, really? Yeah, the, the, he was tripping and the flashbulbs were going off. He kept asking the photographers, Please stop taking pictures. You know, you're just like freaking me out. And then he played like 20 minutes and left, you know. Really? Yeah. And so. it was his headline show at the Garden? Yeah. And, you Damn. know. Damn. That was when they Come put on, the... Come on, Jimmy. Dig deep, yeah, man. bro. <laughs> yeah. Close your eyes, I know, dude. man, you know. <laughs> you know. But it's how much he did. Look what he did in that short time. I know. You know? It's weird. In that short time, really. Yeah. It's like, it's like four years. Right. You know, just about. Yeah. You know, three and a half years of work. Yeah. All of that. The Beatles, seven Same years. Same with the Beatles. Yeah, yeah seven. What is it? Seven. Seven Ringo says eight. eight because he did a drum overdub in 1970. <laughs> I thought it was like five, <laughs> so he calls five it years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it really starts since they start making 
you know, records in 62 or so, you know, start recording stuff. Yeah. You know, 63, they have a hit in England. By 70, it's over. You yeah. Know, that's the eight years. How long were you doing it before the Conan gig came up? Doing what? What you're doing. Working? Yeah, working. Just working? Yeah. Well, probably since uh, 19... Your education was a band. You said you... Like, 20 hit years. Out, hit out in a band. 20 years. 20 because, years. Because in, in 73, when I graduated high school, mm -hmm. uh, I went to one semester of college. Yeah, 73 and, to 93. Yeah, 73, and I found uh, a drummer, you know, and, uh, and, and I took him and my brother on, on saxophone, who was finishing Manhattan School of Music, and uh, we got a guitar player, and we had a band with B3, guitar, saxophone, and drums, and we started mm -hmm. playing seven nights a week we could play. Uh, Doing covers? Uh, or Yeah, yeah, lounge, you know, in the lounges. Yeah. Just like, you know, and, and at the Crown Lounge in Pequannock, New Jersey. Uh -huh. But then they would bring in, uh, they would bring in the Platters, the Drifters, the Coasters, Jackie Wilson. We'd back all these guys up, mm. you know. And so right away, you know, I'm sitting there at, at the end of the night singing with Fred Paris and the Five Satins up in a hotel room, mm -hmm. you know, and learning about harmony and, you know. It's just basically like a master class in, what? It's, in, it's college. in, band, in yeah. band leading. Yeah, and also in, in and singers, you know. Uh, these guys were only. They let's came see. out without their bands in the house. Oh, they would just always... come up and they'd come up. Sometimes, like the Drifters had this guy, Abdul, that played a, a big L5, you know? And I said to him, man, because I'm playing, not only am I playing, you know, the organ, but I'm playing the bass too. Right. You know? So I'm like, well, where's the charts? <laughs> You know? no charts. He goes, they're on. He goes, I'm the charts. Yeah. And he says, follow me. And he would just go like this. To you. He, I didn't know what he was playing. Right. You know? How did you do it? Uh, we got through it. How? Because he would get there before the band. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, just jotting down, down shit, man. Oh, my, pr you know, that one. Let's do to the aisle, my prayer. You know, uh, all of that. Uh, on, uh, only you. <laughs> you know, with Tony you, Williams, you like, know. <laughs> when you're doing something like that, do you intuit what the changes are going to be, kind of? Is there like well, some sometimes kind of you do, because we've going, heard those growing to, up. Yeah. I heard those songs growing up. Yeah. And do you have, like, perfect pitch, or do you, how do you, like, no, how no. do you figure out songs so quick? No, like it's, uh, it's me, it's a muscle memory, you yeah. know. I do have a friend, though, Ed Allstrom, that I grew up with. Who now plays organ at Yankee Stadium? Mm -hmm. He's great. Yeah. He could hear. We'd put a song. Somebody would request a song. Yeah. And he'd say, "Put it on the jukebox." And when yeah. they had jukeboxes, play it here at once and play here at it. once. Not only not, play it, sing it, and know the words. That's insane. Uh, photographic memory. Yeah. Genius. Wow. You know, and he could play like Thelonious Monk, or he could play like Doctor John, or he could play like you know anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, he had an amazing capacity. Yeah. To hold shit in his head. You know? Who do you think that you've played with taught you the most? Um, probably Paul about band leading, you know, right. and about arranging. Yeah. You know, because I was learned. I learned from the top. You know, I had got some books and I wrote an orchestra piece in high school and mm -hmm. used to arrange for big bands. So I always heard music from the top. You know, and Paul heard it from the bottom up. What so that, what getting mean? the bass and drums right, right. is half the battle. Yeah. When the bass player and drummer know what they're doing, yeah. you know, then everything you put on it sounds good. Right. But if you only have like the strings and horns right and everything underneath, people are just faking it. Mm -hmm. You know, so learning to, you know, make sure that 
the rhythm section was right. So then I would say, man, bring the horns in later or the strings in later. We need to rehearse the rhythm section a couple of days to get mm -hmm. this shit right. Yeah. And that's the way they made records too. Yeah. All the other stuff was window dressing. Right. The meat and potatoes are in the rhythm section. Yeah. You know, and and you know, bass and drums and a singer is a song. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Morphine. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that was a good. It's band. right there, man. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I. I wish they Mark had. Mark Sandman. Hung, yeah. Him. I wish he had hung around longer. Yeah. He passed early. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's dead heroin, man. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it was a heart attack that got him. It's an H attack. Uh. You know. Yeah. And if I'm wrong, sue me. Uh, no one's gonna. It could have been. You know, some people get a heart attack from not sleeping. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> whatever yeah, yeah that's true <laughs> you know i mean sometimes it's sometimes it's natural and we assume so maybe i'm assuming but yeah the name of the band was morphine that's true <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got they be, were great words are powerful they were great yeah yeah so, i think the presidents of the united states were also interesting back then there yeah. were some bands uh, back yeah. then remember There's, them yeah i remember of course, another yeah. really interesting that band that's true what, what, was want, their what are they doing now i don't know we could use one. Yeah, because they were funny, but it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't just a joke. They, no, it wasn't also, a joke. They also rocked. Well, so was Zappa. When I saw Frank Zappa as a kid, it yeah. was funny, but it was like impossible. Uh huh. You know, and I had a band in high school, and all we played was mothers. You know, and that people used to throw shit at us. You know, yeah. play some grand funk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're playing Colony Vegetable. You know, or whatever was on Absolutely Free. Right. And. Uh, and they're yelling for blood rock or something. Or did something. you ever play with Frank? Uh, no, I didn't. I'm friends with Dweezil, but I never uh, played with Frank. I, Frank was gone before I could, you know, get to him. Yeah, Dweezil's intense. Oh, he's intense. He's Man, so good. He is really he's good. So yeah, good. I'm, I got to hang out with him. I a mean, in bit a lot in of LA. ways, he's you know, Frank was of course the innovator. Yeah. But Dweezil's taken it further, you know. I yeah. mean, as a player, right? You know, Frank would be very proud of Dweezil. I think so too. Yeah, I mean, but he's he, out he's there doing that, the Hot Rats tour, and he's got all that intense, weird yeah. thing with his family. Like they, they. Yeah, I don't get into it because yeah. I know them all. You oh, know? Okay, but yeah. I know that it's intense because yeah. I know Ahmed as well, and I knew Gail, you know. Mm. And um, and uh, you know, that's always, you know, you got to have other people be the the caretaker of the catalog and the mm. business, you know? Yeah. When family tries to do the business, something goes wacky all the Fa time. Family is wacky. Well, you know, yeah. look what they come from. No, I don't mean them. I just mean family Oh, family. General. No, but family in being in, in business together is difficult. Right. You know? Because yeah. it's... I, I, I don't know the story, but I know that... Uh, I like them all, so okay. You know, it's not for me, but I, yeah. I, I think that you know we, we can start going away no, from this topic. No, no, you know, I, back to Levon. Yeah. You gotta be, you gotta be, you gotta be. Um, you know, you gotta shut up about people's shit because that, it's not true. yours. It's not you know? yours. Yeah. Though we are Yentas at heart, all of us want to yeah. want to dish. You know. Yeah, let's dish. No. I did. I'm sorry, Lou Reed. No, but that was a funny story. Oh, I think that, I think he would <laughs> that laugh. That was Lou being Lou. I, I mean, come on. I've seen him do that too. He would laugh. Lou could open the window and I've, yell out the window, and it's a song, man. Yeah. You know, so, you know. I was walking with him through the city uh, one time. There was a few people, and then right, we walked right by this window. Somebody was playing uh, "Pale." Uh, what is it called? "Pale Blue Eyes" in the in the apartment, like right on the ground floor. The window was open. 
And I like stopped at the window and Lou was like, kept walking. I said, hey Lou, come here. And then he came over and I was like, listen. And I go, wouldn't it be funny if you just knocked on their window and said hello? And then he just laughed and kept walking. Yeah. But He laughed. He laughed. Got Lou to laugh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he was also friends with, De with Dion DiMucci who I've worked with for over 35 years, you know? Uh -huh. And uh, and Dion liked him. So if Dion liked him, he was right. He was yeah. he no, was New York. Lou was a sweetheart. Yeah, he really yeah. was. I mean, I know that's like weird for some people to hear, but he really like if you knew him, he was a sweetheart. Well, why wouldn't we expect him to be I who mean, he is? Listen to how sweet yeah. those songs. Some of those songs uh, are. You yeah, know, the guy had a big heart. Yeah, yeah, you know? and a great writer without a doubt. And and yeah. uh, in his mind, mm -hmm. you know, like everyone. Try to sing a, like a Lou Reed song. You what? can't. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. Delivery. It's difficult. Oh yeah. You know. Well, he's, yeah. I would it's like Bob when Bob said in the, in Don't Look Back when he said, "I'm I'm I'm as good. I'm a better singer than Caruso. I can hold my breath twice as long as Caruso." Yeah. <laughs> you I know. Think, I think Bob's a great singer. Oh yeah, I do too. Try it. Yeah. You know, it's all about acting anyway, and, isn't it? It's yeah. Like singing. Yeah. You know. Drama. Yeah, Sinatra always said, oh, Dean's a better singer than me, you know? Uh -huh. or, or Vic Damone has a better voice than me. Right. But they weren't, they couldn't phrase like Frank. Yeah. You know? And that's like the conversational part yeah. that makes a singer great. Right. Not the singing part. Yeah. You know? Willie Although Nelson, in the wee, come on. in the wee small hours, he sings like a maniac in, yeah. in that shit. Yeah. And he can hold a syllable. Mm -hmm. And. And, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like an N. <laughs> yeah. And, and he could turn the word and. And. Uh, six yeah. syllables of and. Right. No, brilliant at holding a consonant, you know. Mm -hmm. You. And, you know, he was a, a control. He learned from Tommy Dorsey you know, uh -huh. how to breathe like a trombone player. Yeah. You know. You sound like you could sing. Well, I do. He I dabbles sing. in it. Yeah. I, I dabble in singing. You know, all the t all the time. And I learned from some really great people. Like, uh, the only genius was Laura Nero out mm -hmm. of all of them. Yes, that was amazing. from another planet almost. You know? Why? Why? Well, because the the story with Laura was I was working with Felix Cavallari, who had from the Rascals, who had produced her, mm -hmm. and John Sebastian, who knew her. Right. And we were doing something together, the three of us, and uh, they knew Laura, and then Laura was looking for somebody to work with. Mm. So Roscoe Herring, who was the conduit of all three of those people, kind of the road manager and, and just took care of business, he called me, because he knew me from Felix, and he said, Lorelai wants to come and see you. I'm saying, I'm playing at the Lone Star, you know, with Benny King or something. She should mm -hmm. come down, you know? And uh, and there she was, like Bob Dylan with the hoodie on again and the sunglasses. What it's like it a recurring theme. And, yeah, <laughs> you know? Geniuses in Genius hoodies. Genius in hoodies and <laughs> Unabomber looks. Uh, and so she came to see me, and then she left. I said, oh, she, I guess she didn't dig it or something, mm -hmm. you know. And then I got a call from her, you know, and uh, she said, oh, she had the sexiest voice. Can you come to Connecticut? Roscoe will take you to my house. I want to talk to you. So Roscoe takes me up. We drive up to Danbury, mm. and uh, there's this really nice house back in the woods. And we go up and look look in the window of the big house, and there's like a Steinway piano and a studio, mm -hmm. API board. It's like looking into a beautiful studio. Wow. We're knocking on the window. No one's there. And Roscoe says, ah, oh, she's up at the little house. 
mm-hmm. with the little house, right? So we walk up this hill, and we're walking up those sort of flagstones mm-hmm. that wobble when you're trying to get up the hill. And mm-hmm. we get up the hill, and we get to this Japanese like house. It's, it looks like something from a Kurosawa movie. Like mm-hmm. you could like slice through it with a samurai sword. Mm-hmm. And they open the door, and there's um, in the room is Laura in the corner on the floor with her dog Emmy, and there's one chair, mm-hmm. and then there's a Japanese bed with a, a pillow that looks like a brick. And sort of a mat, and that's where she was living. So uh, she says, "Yeah, I don't live in the, I don't live in the big house. I, mm. I can't. Why? <laughs> it's the studio. It's the workplace. Right. You know. So you had like twenty rooms there. She wasn't living in. Huh. And I. So she said, "I have some ideas." And she, I wrote down some ideas for you. Uh, what, uh, what my vision of this project is, and she hands me a paper plate. It's about the size of that <laughs> stool, right? <laughs> white paper plate you know mm-hmm. like you get french fries in yeah. and I, I take the paper plate and the the writing starts in the middle of the plate mm. and then it spirals, circle, spirals circle. Around. it oh spirals God. out to the edges <laughs> of the plate so she's got me already because yeah. i'm like it looks like, like she's a testing wheel. you i'm yeah. reading this my head's going that way the yeah. plate's going to the right you know and i'm just like oh. and i'm reading the, her ideas and I said, this is, not, this is like an alien person. And, yeah. and it was all about harmony. It was about a group made up of equally of men and women. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was about no leather. No leather? It was totally about animals, vegan. rights, vegan. Mm-hmm. She was way ahead. Of, way ahead. Mm-hmm. She wasn't a trend. She was a trendsetter more than a, mm-hmm. somebody that was following a trend. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and she... Um, <laughs> she you know, she was an earth mother mm. kind of a person. Yeah. And uh, so I read that. I said, okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's put a band together. So we start doing auditions, getting people into play. And, uh, you know, uh, finally we had three and, th- three and three, three women, three men. Wait, what did you, but when you first read the plate and then what was your response to her? Uh, my when response to like, her was, this sounds like something I want to do. Uh-huh. So, okay, so the next step was next week. We'll, we'll come here and uh, we'll have bait. We'll, we'll, first thing we'll do is we'll get. I said, well, I know a good drummer, you know, that sings. Frank Pagano, not Rich, but Frank mm-hmm. from Jersey. And she liked Frank right away because mm-hmm. she was Italian too. Laura Bianchini, she, uh. Laura Nairo, you know, and then she married Bianchini was her other name. But she, they were, her, Nigro was her name, N I G R O. Mm-hmm. Joe Nigro was her father. Uh, Bronx girl, and so she changed her name. She used to sing, uh, used to sing in doo-wop bands with oh, the guys, really? you know, in the stairways in the Bronx high schools. That's funny. So that's why Felix knew her. He was from Pelham Park, yeah, and she was from the Bronx too. So uh, we got Frank Pagano, and then we just now we were playing with Is that just, Rich's brother. Or no, not related at all. Another singing, great singing drummer, right? And we played, and then we started doing bass player auditions, and uh, and she was like, well. It you know needs to be a woman. It needs right? to be a woman, and yeah. <laughs> and all kinds of great players came down. Uh-huh. You know, Galan Dorsey came down. Wow. Uh, you know, all these great players. But Laura was like very particular. Mm-hmm. You know, and also, you know, a woman, a woman's woman, <laughs> at the time. You know, mm. she was an Earth Mother sort of. You know, there was a lesbian community, mm. but she didn't like it to be obvious. You know, and she was like that. Another girl came in that played. She's just coming on too strong. 
Mm. You know, she's not relaxed. Right. So we got Dave Wofford, who I knew, uh, he, who was in Spira Gyra. It's really great, just like groove bass player. Mm-hmm. So now we had bass, drums, and piano. We needed two more, so we got Nidia Mata but, but to play percussion. So Nidia was a Puerto Rican girl who was in a band called Isis uh-huh. from New York. Right. She was badass and a good friend of Laura's. And, and then we got Diane Wilson, another singer. Uh-huh. So we kept it at, you know... At the, and and so Frank and Laura and I and Diane did the vocals, uh-huh. and then we had percussion and, and bass, along with that. So it was a great band, and we recorded. We live live at the bottom line again. We recorded right. a record, and uh, and I worked with her for a long time, and then how many years? Oh, I don't probably four five years. Until she and, passed, and and you toured with her and stuff. Yeah, or? yeah, we did, yeah. and then in '93. We had stopped working. What size rooms were you guys doing? When bottom line size. Bottom line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Singer songwriter yeah. vibes. Mm-hmm. Were they were they full houses? They or? were cool houses. Yeah. 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 Were people coming? Yeah, they were coming. Okay. They were coming for her. Yeah. They knew. Yeah. All kinds of people were coming for her. Right. I mean, what you know, we played the Mayfair in L.A. Mm-hmm. It was great. It's gone now. It was in Santa Monica. Mm. We did seven nights there and sold them out. You know. Mm. Uh, and and everybody came to see her. The people that would come to see her was like blowing my mind. You know? Like who? Not like Joni Mitchell or somebody like that. Oh, you know? really? That, all the other singer-songwriters, yeah, the guys and the girls. They all knew. Yeah, and I had met a lot of them through working with Phoebe before. With Phoebe Snow, you know, you know, though, you know, Stephen Goodman coming mm. around, a great songwriter, and and uh, and and uh, you know. Um, just just everybody that she knew came up with playing with uh, we would do the same kind of places same exact places i played with laura and um <clears throat> so i was working and then i worked with darlene love and ronnie speck all women i'm working with women mm-hmm. all the time so i'm getting a, a, another kind of education from them you know like that, what? that well because you learn to be a little bit more respectful mm-hmm. and less you know and 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 they're and toning uh, the ego down and on stage too there's a lot they're a lot more subtle on stage Mm. it's like just everybody be cool right (laughs) yeah Yeah, the female nature yeah 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 yeah. it's and and you know it was great and and i learned so much about singing from laura you know well well, there were two people laura and rick danko i love rick that talked about singing like a saxophone Hmm. you know and i'll give you a we used to do the wind by the Diablos. Wind, wind, blow, wind, and wind. And it would be like, the note would have to, like, wind, open up. Mm. And Rick Danko was like that, too. And the sun don't shine. It was like horns. Mm. There was a, a natural sort mm, of... Like uh, a swelling. You know, like yeah, a yeah swell. swell, like when you, when you hit a note on a horn. Mm. And they were uh, so keyed into singing. You know, mm. and I was always a second nature to me. Mm. Okay, I'll just sing. All right. Well, no, you won't just sing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No. Yeah. You got to concentrate. So blending, probably about blending, more about that. Mm. Levon, Rick, you know. Yeah. They they knew more about singing than almost anybody. And, and Laura and Phoebe, um, you know, those singers, yeah. you know, they, because that's what they do. Yeah. We play an instrument too, but with Laura, it was more about a singer yeah. that plays piano. And like you say, it's not songwriter singer; it's 
singer songwriter. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's very few that are that are not keyed into. You know, when you there's a reason why people sell a million records, whether you like the song or not. Mm. They're what? usually pretty good. Yeah. You know, I mean, we as a kid we're always judgmental. Mm. I don't like that. That's not cool. And now I hear something again, and I'll say that is pretty cool. You know. Right. I understand why it was a hit. You know. And That's that, true. But there's no hits anymore. What do you mean? Well, there's no there's no top forty. There really. are hits though. People have hits. Well, they have hits, but not on the millions. Right. You know, not in the. They have hits, but it's niche now. You know, they've done. Yeah. They've managed to take this wonderful uh, stew of AM radio and FM radio that mixed everything together, so we got a good balance of everything, and turned it into niche stations. Oh, you know, it's all Springsteen on this station. Mm -hmm. It's all Beatles on that station. You know, it's all Grateful Dead here. It's a Pearl Jam radio, you know? And uh, it's taken the variety out of, uh, it's like eating the same food every day, if that's what you do, and just put that on, you know? And, and, you know, it... um, you, you find yourself switching the stations a lot, don't you? Yeah. They used to do. They used to give you a good rounded. Yeah, there used to be a balance. Yeah, there was a balance. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Look at look what we're doing. Right. This is radio. Man. Yeah. This, this is, is not a new thing. Yeah. This is the tele. No. This is television. Yeah. It's I mean, television. It's, it's ta- radio. It's the yeah. new talk show. It's podcast, and you can just have your own talk show. Like that's what we're doing. Well, you know, you're riding in a car. It's the greatest thing to listen to. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not as distracting. It's more, you're more keyed into it than music. Yeah. You know? uh, Somehow people really love com- long form conversation. You know, I, th- I think everybody's jazzed about it. It keeps you company too. And everybody's isolated more and more and lonely. And like, so like just listening to podcasts, I think ke- keeps people company. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's qualified bullshit. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what we're doing. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> well, no, uh, we would be sitting around, you know, in an apartment doing this or at a bar doing yeah. this yeah. or yeah. wherever doing the same thing that we're mm-hmm. doing here, you know, and now we're letting everybody else into it. Right. But, you know, it uh, it, it amazes me, though, that it, it feels like a new thing when it's not at all. Right. It's, it's radio. It is. It's radio. It's just freer radio. It's free radio. Yeah. Right. With no. Yeah. Yeah. And And we can say words and we can say things and yeah. we could take them back yeah. <laughs> so tell me about working with Levon well Levon uh, came along again I was working with Sebastian a lot we had a jug band you know a had jug a, band yeah Fritz Richmond was, was in was there from, like, wh- from the Questkin somebody, band somebody played a well, jug well Fritz Richmond who was in the Questkin <laughs> band with Jeff Muldar and, uh-huh. and all those guys you know he played the jug and the wash tub, uh-huh. you know, and he built these great instruments too. Right. He'd been doing it since the '60s up in Cambridge, you know, the folk first folk revolution mm. in '62. Uh, so John lived in Woodstock. I got a place up in Woodstock, and John said, "Ah, oh, let's go up. Let's go over to Levon's." You know, mm-hmm. went over to Levon's. Uh, he lived really close to me. I hadn't met him before. The first time I met Levon was uh, at the uh, Chicago Blues Festival when I was playing with Johnny Johnson. And uh, and I was late. I missed the bus over to Grant Park. And that's where I met Hubert Sumlin, too. He was he missed his bus, too. And then a bus pulls up. <laughs> the doors open on this bus. It's like a, a band bus. Mm-hmm. And, like, smoke comes out, like sort of Cheech and Chong, you know? Right. And then Levon comes through the smoke. 
<laughs> with like these Miles Davis wraparound sunglasses uh-huh. and like a like a, a, a it looked like an alien running suit made out of like aluminum foil. I don't know, you know those <laughs> those strange. And he's, you guys look lost. We going, come on on the bus. So I get, mm. we get on with Levon and, uh, you know, and I uh, go over to the festival and, and we had a great time. So I knew him and then he came on the Conan show with the band a couple times mm-hmm. and we got to know each other and uh, we got along great. And then I found out when I got a place in Woodstock, he lived like, he says, man, you could throw a rock and hit my place from yours. Yeah, so, and Garth lives up there you know, too. Garth was up there and, and Rick was still up there mm. at the time. And so... I would start hanging out with him. Then he got sick. Uh, you know, he went and got throat cancer, mm. and he went to Sloan Kettering, and they they they, they got him ten extra years right. at least, right? Yeah. But I would go visit him all the time. You know, and we'd sit around and uh, he uh, we'd write songs around and around the little pond he had in the back. And he said, "Man, nobody wants to hire me." could hardly talk like mm. that nobody wants to hire me because i can't sing mm. and i was like man you can play drums better than anybody i know right let's start a band we started a blues band what we called it the called? barn burners because levon had burnt at least two barns down mm. in woodstock and they <laughs> burnt down do. a house in malibu too yeah just, just falling asleep with the cigarette. cigarettes yeah yeah exactly yeah. so we had this great little band the barn too bad burners. He didn't start vaping yeah we started we started working around like doing gigs you know and uh and then he got tired of it and he said uh, i don't let's just do what we used to do in arkansas and start a midnight ramble yeah and bring the people to the barn. Yeah, let them come to us. Yeah, and he was like Ralph Crampton with these schemes, you know. Mm-hmm. I said, man, but aren't you, don't worry about it. Aren't you going to have fire? Don't worry about it. Don't you need a ramp for wheelchairs? Don't worry about it. Yeah, just don't <laughs> worry Because he knew everybody it. in town. Mm. And guys would come over, then the Schultes, Paul Schultes comes over, and next day there's a ramp. Yeah. You know, guy builds it. <laughs> next day he's got the, fu- the guys in the fire department working security for the ramble. Mm. So we're covered, you know. He's just it's just hometown Arkansas sense mm-hmm. of how to do things. Yeah. Don't ask, just do it. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Build it and they will come. Build and they it and did. They will come. And yeah. they did and they yeah. came and everybody wanted to be at the Ramble, uh-huh. you know. I never so, got to one of those, but yeah. I've always heard about them. Well, they still go on in the spirit oh, of yeah. yeah. You know, but it's kind of like being at the Ryman without Hank Williams. Mm-hmm. But it's still cool. Yeah. There's the voices in the rafters, man, mm. in the wood. Yeah. All the voices that went up are still up in there. So, yeah, yeah, and we did a lot of good stuff together. And uh, Who sat in with you guys? Well, you know, I mean, we he would actually have shows. And, you know, I couldn't do it all the time. And then Larry Campbell started doing it, too. Then we both started doing it. Then Larry kind of had to take over when I moved to California. Uh, I couldn't do it all the time. But uh, I would come back and do it. But, uh, you know, Steve Earle, Jackson Brown, uh, Muddy's band, the, uh, you know, the legendary blues band would come up and, you know, he just had, it was just like Emmylou Harris, you know, all these people, Levon knew. Yeah. Well, come up. Chris Robinson was great. Yeah, I love him. Yeah. I mean, he's a great... I just did something with him a a couple weeks ago. He's a great singer. Yeah, you you could probably sing like that, right? I mean, I I, I don't think anybody... (laughs) Like, he's, you know... He's Otis Redding, man. Yeah, he's a great singer, you know? Uh, They're together again, thank God. You know, know. the two of them, but... I saw him on Howard Stern. They sounded good. I just worked with him a couple weeks ago in New Orleans. It was great. How was it? It was... He was great. Yeah. He was great. Mavis Staples and, and him and Amy Helm and... 
uh, you know, do you know Tash Neal at all? Uh, he had a band yeah, called the know, London Souls. Know. Yeah, yeah, he he's a New York guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's an interesting player. cat. Oh, okay, man. yeah. He's like he's you know he's kind of like not just because of his race or, or his attitude. It's more like Jimi Hendrix. Mm. There's an oh. innocence to him. Right. Uh, it's a beautiful musician. We should hang but out there's with a Jimmy Hendrix inf uh, like uh, more like <laughs> Jimmy as a person than as no, a player. With you, with you, I'm saying we should hang out with you more. All these people you hang How out do you, with. Are, are you missing New York? Or are you loving living in L.A.? How long you been in L.A. now? I reside in L.A. and I live everywhere else. Yeah, <laughs> I get you. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I've do been there miss, ten years. Yeah. Now. Do you? Do you? Uh, and I heard in an interview you said I like it because I'm meeting all these new musicians yeah. that I wouldn't have met before. Yeah, and there that, is and a lot of good people out there no it's very cool you got to find you know you have to here it's easier mm -hmm. to you know we're, we're like a, a tighter community here yeah there it's all spread out you, well, you know? just and, see uh, everyone all the time here like, yeah you just walk around and and is that me oh my god i set my alarm for 10 30 what did you think we were doing this next week? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know i don't know i'm glad i woke up <laughs> But uh, where, where are you living in L.A.? I'm um, in Burbank, so I can be like I can be at work in ten minutes, you know, where I work at Warner Brothers, uh, mm -hmm. which is nice to walk on that lot every day, you know. Yeah, I like Burbank. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the I'm in the building, uh, the studio we're in. Not only was not only was Casablanca shot in there, but so was Goonies. Right, <laughs> it's a like good mix. spans, you know. Yeah, you know, I feel very very much like that. There's ghosts. Well, there's ghosts Throughout the, in here. Every, in, in here. here. I in mean, here. Mingus recorded sure. a record in here. Yeah. You know, like yeah. uh, John Coltrane. You yeah. Know? yeah. That, al album, that red album cover of Miles Davis was shot here. Yeah, the Jazz Messengers. In fact, Mike Merritt, yeah. who plays with me on, who did play with me on Conan, also was in my band, mm. Black Italians, and played with me with Johnny Johnson. Yeah. His father, Jimmy Merritt, was in the Jazz Messengers. Yeah. Was, and Mike lived in Philly. Most of these cats lived in Philly, these jazz guys, because they couldn't afford New York then even. Right. And he said they all used to come to his, when he was a kid, Coltrane would be over the house, you know, on Sunday or, you know, you know I mean, they were just cats from around the neighborhood as far yeah. as he knew. Um, the genius of, of those times, boy, those guys, Mike would tell stories about, yeah, my pop didn't like rock and roll much, you know, mm. because these guys were operating at a level of, you know, like musicianship. It was beyond. That was beyond. Yeah. It was beyond most people's actual comprehension. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people in the 50s yeah. hung out and snapped their fingers to jazz and didn't get it. Right. Otherwise, it would have kept, it would have lived a, a longer life, I think. It, uh, you know, it's still, you go back and listen to it and go, man, this is probably... These are the best musicians America ever produced. Right. All that bebop period, man, those guys, you know, and the swing guys before that, you know. Does it, it exist anymore, you think? Well, yeah, it does, but it's, uh, it's, it's a lot less. There were more of them then. Yeah. Sure, it exists. It, it, it does exist. And, and, you know, there's guys that are second generation, like Joshua Redman, you know, Dewey Redman's son, and, mm -hmm. you know, Ravi Coltrane. And, and Mingus' son, too. I plays. think I haven't heard him, but I've a lot him. of the he, legacy guys Eric, are. Yeah, hey, he's, he's, he's a cool dude. Mingus Big Band. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, you know, I mean, I, I had worked with, uh, 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 with, with Monk's son. T.S. Monk uh -huh. in the in the in the seventies or eighties making disco records, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, Tootie. 
Yeah, T.S. Monk. Uh, and his sister. So both of Monk's Boo, the other Monk. Boo yeah. Monk and, and T.S. Monk. Uh, they were around. You know, but they were making, you know, that was vital music at the time. Miles Davis was hipper than hip. Yeah. You know, uh, yet Bill Graham knew to bring him to the Fillmore. Yeah, did you ever read his, his book? Oh, it's great. It's unbelievable. It's just. I always think about the West Side Highway and a yellow Ferrari on blow. Like, <laughs> you know he used I mean? to have like, this house when I lived on, I lived up on 92nd and Riverside. And he had this house in the 70s with like this big like African sculpt, wood sculpture on the outside mm -hmm. of it, like a brownstone. And he used to hang out there, man. You could see him. Hey, it's Christine Santelli. Yeah. Yeah. So he would be hanging out, man. He would just, you know, be on the corner waiting for something to happen. Yeah. <laughs> We're making something happen. But, uh, yeah, cats were around. You're, that's what you say about New York. Yeah. You know, they can't hide. Yeah, you, everybody's out and about. Yeah. That's what I like about New York is it's all on the street. Somebody's in line buying a bagel somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. Always. Yeah. When did you, like, what was it like when you finally got the gig being the band leader for Conan you know like because you were you were in that band for a while before you were the leader right well I was it? always doing the charts and running the band you yeah know, I was we had a we had a uh, you know a band leader by name Max you know that we wouldn't have had the gig without right I'm grateful for that yeah you know he brought you into he that. brought me in I was living in up in in, in Sausalito Right above San Francisco, mm -hmm. out there in Marin County, oh, okay. at Clarence's house, and I got a call. Oh, really? Yeah, I was playing in a band with Clarence. We had a band. Oh, so that's how wow. you. That's... And he called me. What was that band called? It's just Clarence Clemens, you know, yeah. and, and the Somethings, whatever we were. And he called me and said, "Don't tell Clarence. <laughs> uh -huh. I got us an audition because I had worked with him." With Joe D'Elia in a band called Killer Joe, we had made a record. Mm -hmm. Max and I got along fine. We, you know, he he was a drummer that, you know, knew a lot about music but didn't know about writing it down or, mm. you know, running a band so much. So right. we worked together. And when we started, we were going to be co-leaders, but that went out the window as soon as the cameras went on. So, <laughs> right. so we still worked together, and I was grateful to walk in the NBC every day and work. But Clarence he says, don't tell Clarence. Because if Clarence calls them, he'll get the gig without even auditioning. That's how that's how dynamic he was. Yeah, you know that's how much of a that's you true know, guy a force. was such a huge force. I met his son recently. Speaking of sons, yeah, he, he's a good musician too. Yeah, I played Jake. I played with yeah, him actually in Jersey. Jake plays guitar. I jammed right? with him. Yeah. yeah, he plays sax. No, he played too. sax. Yeah. No, no, his his and nephew keys. plays. Oh, that uh, was his nephew. Sorry, that's uh, his nephew. Uh, absolutely right. Sorry, uh, our bad. But Jake is. Jake is his nephew. Oh, okay. Yeah, so his son was, I can't remember his son's name now, oh, but it okay. wasn't. Jake's his nephew, yeah. I didn't realize that. And he's that. mostly a sax player, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, so came back and basically took my band, my brother and myself, and, you know, and then we, as a rhythm section with mm -hmm. Max, Mike Merritt on bass, Scott Healy on keyboards. And uh, we got La Bamba and Pender. We grabbed them from the Jukes. Mm. You know, because the Jersey, we all knew each other through these mm -hmm. Jersey experience, you know, mm. of, uh, uh, for, for many years, you know. So uh, we went in, we auditioned, we, did, we killed it, and we got the gig. So it was fun. And we were here 16 years, 
in uh, Rockefeller Center. I've been 10 years in California now with Conan. So 26 so, years. So no, it wasn't any different, you know. Is it 26 for, years? Yeah. Wow. And for me, it's the same amount of work I always did for yeah. the band. So, And it's, it was the same thing. Now there's no band, though. Now it's just me. You know, recording. Cut down the format. It's just well, yeah, because it's a half-hour talk show now. Oh, is it really? Yeah, because he has to do this too, podcast. I didn't know that. So now it's just you. It's just me, just making. I just go in there and record cues, and I record bumper in and outs, and I record walk-ons. I, and I didn't, re- I didn't realize. That. I thought it was still like the Conan show was still the same. No, it's not the same. About no. a year then now, again, right? A I year. D- I didn't have any idea. Yeah, a year now. Yeah, we're yeah. in our second, coming into our second year of that. But uh. It, you know, the landscape is so crowded, man. Mm. When it started, there wasn't all these. You know, we started 26 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, there weren't as many shows. There weren't as many cable channels. Right. You know, before that, when Letterman started, uh, it was like the three, four networks. Yeah. You know, now it's crazy. And really, who makes appointments with TV anymore? I know. You know it's who like, says, it's like, I got to yeah. be home to well, watch that. Well, no, you don't. You like the fact it. that I didn't even realize it had changed, you well, know? It's yeah. I don't have a TV. Like, I just, you know, like, it's the just internet. Just go watch you know? it. I think Conan was smart to realize the talk show hour long doesn't work, and he cut it down to 30 no, minutes. No, no, it doesn't work. And and by the way, nobody... What do you mean it doesn't work? It, it, I mean, it's, people, it's hard people to still dig it's it. It's hard though. to sustain. I mean, like, it's, it's a lot of work. Every right. day, yeah. every day to put well, on. Well, it's not. It's show. not what it used to be. It doesn't have the. No, it doesn't have the it, gravitas. It doesn't have it, it. and also, to. advertising has changed so much, man. Mm. You know, now YouTube. You know. Yeah. You know, people watch on YouTube. That's true. YouTube TV's coming now, right? That's the yeah. that's well, that's you, happening. Yeah, there's so much. Yeah, you can educate yourself on YouTube too. Yeah. Like you can get into like go through rabbit holes. Man, and, just about anything you want to find out. Yeah. You know, I got a, <laughs> I got this eye pencil, right? Yeah, I got one. Does the, see the directions that come with it? You can't even read them. Oh, uh, I never read the directions. <laughs> well, I went right to YouTube I how just, to use it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and they said, oh, you got to go and put on the, you know, you got to put on the Bluetooth and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. You can find out just about anything. Mm-hmm. And there's 10 different ways to do it. Yeah. And then there's the right way. <laughs> but yeah. but it's, it is a good tool for musicians, too. Hey, if you want to learn how to play something quickly... Yeah. What's that an open tuning? What is that tuning? Oh no, I always just go to YouTube when I want to learn a cover song or something like that. Somebody already figured it out and then I just learn it from Thank them. Thank you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what kind of guitars are you using now? Uh Mostly Fender Gibson, you yeah. know, my favorites. Yeah. I got I've been into these Fender Acoustasonics. Have you seen those? Mm, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're killer. Yeah. I I uh, work with both companies, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like both of them. I think they're both, and I always tell them these are both necessary tools. You know, it comes down to it. You need a Telecaster and a Les Paul at least. You know, and the Offender Acoustasonic's amazing because it's like it's great. It has a simulation of acoustic yeah. sound that's incredible. I um, that's the thing. It looks like a Telecaster with a hole. with a hole. I know. I was yeah. I, I was one of the uh, uh, guinea pigs. Uh-huh. They gave you one. <laughs> no, I went down there. Uh, I went down there, um, and they said, come over and, like, run it through some tests, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and they had guys with clipboards, 
taking, you know, we're, me and a couple other guitar players That's are down funny. there running through. And I, and I was like, yeah, do this or that, do this, this would be better if this or that was happening mm-hmm. when they just had prototypes. And then I tried to get one. I said, hey. So, oh, man, they're back ordered. <laughs> yeah. You should have taken that one that day. I said, well, I didn't yeah. think it was done. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. They'll give you one, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You should get one. It's very cool. It's yeah. real cool. I mean, they got yeah. like, you know, the, the switch is like a bunch of different acoustic settings. And then there's a knob that you can blend the two different acoustic yeah. sounds. And yeah. then back pickups. Doesn't feedback. An electric. It can because there's <clears throat> mic. They, they have it. So there's like the piezo pickup. Yeah. And then they got some microphones in it. I mean, oh, they, they nailed it. Yeah. They they really nailed it. Like I was playing yeah, I go- Godin's for People a while. Keep telling me it's... No, but they nailed it. Like the Godin had like the acoustic electric. I have thing. that Godin. And they and no, no diss to them. That's a great company, and, and I used yeah. to work with them. Yeah, know. I have a nylon stringer there. So and they're, and they're great, but the Fender one took it to the next level. Yeah, and, you know, and they just they nailed it. I don't know. It's a it's a great machine for what I do. Look at that Joan Jet shirt. I nice, know. Nice one. <laughs> So is it like, what's it like uh, being a band leader with Conan when he's such a guitar player, like, freak? I well, mean, really, like, my, this job has really been yeah. 26 years of guitar lessons for Conan. Right. That's the only reason I'm still there. Yeah, that's what I figured. <laughs> he wants to be you, he's right? He's great. Doesn't, doesn't, he's great, yeah. you know. He's a rockabilly head. Mm-hmm. You know, a Gretsch guitar head. You know, yeah. Like Fender. We got him a Strat. We got for one of his birthdays a '55, like Buddy Holly. Oh, really? Because he's yeah, yeah. So we like me and the producers and a couple other people <laughs> ponied up yeah. to get this '55. Well, what, I mean, that must have cost four hundred thousand dollars. No, no, they're not. Strats aren't up there with Les Paul. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, no, no, That's no. Funny. No, you can you can get them for thirty, yeah. forty. <laughs> It's crazy. That's a, Look, that's still crazy. A brand money, new though. one of any of these companies is as good as anything to me. You know. Yeah. I'm not. I don't buy into that. I don't really give a shit either. You I'm know, not really that into. I'm. An, I play unsafe guitar for the most part. What? The unsafe guitar. The wire. What's that? The cord goes directly into the amp. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no condom in between. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you. Oh, you don't. I don't uh, like effects much if I don't, don't have to use them. Oh. Yeah. You know, I don't, I'm not an effects guy. You know, I, the guys I saw when I was a kid just had Marshalls turned all the way up, you know? Right. And maybe a wah-wah, maybe a fuzz. You don't do the overdrives or anything? I, I have them because I need them for work. Yeah. And I need them for sessions. I need yeah. them for certain things. But like Prisoners, the band that plays, that's playing tonight. You're here for that today. I'll just chain a couple Fender amps together and turn them all the way up. Oh, okay, so why are you in town? Well, I was here, we we did, uh, I was in New Brunswick before Thanksgiving with uh, Fab Mm Faux, and then I was in town, because tonight I have a gig at the Cutting Room, so. Oh yeah, with That's Prisoners of Second Avenue, we just play, you know, I had this idea after playing with Government Mule and, and, you know, knowing Warren, that I wanted to have a trio, they were a trio back when I first saw them, Uh, you know, Woody and Matt and Warren. I said, man, I gotta have a trio like that because yeah. that reminds me of 1968. Hendrix. Yeah, just like everyone, Mountain. Yeah. You know, everybody I went to see there was that. So I said to Rich because we were doing Fab Four already. Let's start a trio that's like 
and just grab all the music that influenced me when I was a kid because mm -hmm. I'm older than you guys. And Not by much. This is great music to play, yeah. you know, um, live, Cream, yeah. yeah, Mountain. You know, we play some. Are you ripping leads? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. And That's it's a, John Conti. It's about, you know, that whole that whole thing. Oh, that, John Conti on bass. On yeah, bass. Yeah. That dude's badass. That had, the who, you know. Yeah. That had a, a, a jazz influence you know um that you have you have the song and you have the in into the middle the whole the jam yeah. and then out which was a jazz thing the head the jam and the head and that's what cream was like a jazz band right because they just wanted to get the song out of the way yeah so in the middle so they could jam they yeah. could just be like two dogs fucking in the yard mm. you know <laughs> they don't see anything they don't see anything else going on around them that's, you know? <laughs> why, that's why I play with loops, like as a singer songwriter, so I can rip leads and like for the same reason, because that's, yeah. the, that's the fun part. Yeah, you know, is the improvisation. Yeah, yeah. Who's your favorite guitar players? Mike Bloomfield. Mike Bloomfield. Hands down. Yeah. Who did he play with? Mike well, Bloomfield. Mike blues Bloomfield. Band. First played with the Butterfield Blues Band. Oh, Butterfield Blues and Band. And then it's on all the Highway 61 album. Bob oh, oh, okay. And then uh, started a band called Electric Flag. Uh -huh. And then did Super Session with Al Cooper. Yeah. And then died too young from a, a OD, you know. But um, What about him do you like so much? His, just his, just his reckless abandon. Mm. You know, it, guitar has gotten so calculated. Right. Guys are a little too long in the practice room. Yeah, you know, and I always feel like if a ball player's up there at the plate and he hits the ball, mm -hmm. he doesn't drop down and do push-ups. Right, he runs. You run. You play the game. You run to first base. Yeah, you don't do your calisthenics. Right, you know. So it's got to be like Hubert Sumlin, where it's where it's heart to hand. Yeah, skipping the head. Yeah, you know, you can't. Once you start running your shit, then you're not playing music. Yeah. So it should be like an extension of singing mm -hmm. and it should also be like conversational and reactive to what's going on yeah it shouldn't be like overlaying your shit over what the band's playing the band is a band all three or four or ten are playing together and it should be a reaction you know mm. otherwise you get this such overlay of everything it's I like practiced. good acting you're listening and reacting Ex exactly of yeah. course it is and and it should be conversational Man, if some of these guys who 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 do, you know, are playing their violin riffs yeah. over the music, Paganini. Yeah, and if they if they had a conversation like that, you know, I'd be like, hello. Yeah. Or if they were having sex like that. Yeah, it's like it's you know, Jack, me, 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 Jack. me, 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 oh, me, you. Oh, oh there's somebody God. else. Here. I don't want to have sex Wait, with oh, you. Oh, oh, there's somebody else here. <laughs> no, but that's what it's like yeah. to me. You know, like there's no give and take then. You know, and there's yeah. no, you know. And so anyway, I, I digress all night long. That's what we're here for. It's about it's for you to digress. You know, it's a conversation music. Yeah. You know. So what do you do to prepare yourself for gigs or the TV show? Do you do meditation or any kind of thing mentally? Any preparation? Yoga? Push I up? tried all that, but it gets... The music is, like, in the way of it. Uh-huh. You know? What do you mean? So I can't clear the music out of my head. Right. Which you have to do to do No one's meditation. asking you to. Well, right. meditation asks you to. To clear. Clear your head. Clear your head. But me, all I'm doing is running the music through my head all day. Uh, never, so I'm preparing. Uh, never but, stopping? Yeah, it doesn't stop. Huh. You know. 
It doesn't stop. It it makes for a, a busy mind. Sometimes it's you know annoying, but because mm-hmm. I'm on the train and people think I'm nuts because I got to play some B three, so I'm like practicing like in the air, mm. and they and they stay away from me. It's great. <laughs> Nobody yeah. comes around. I look like Joe Cocker sitting on the train. You know, that's what Joe was doing. You know, yeah. You know, this is guitar. This is guitar, right? With Joe. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and Joe and he Cocker. Did that. Yeah, when, that's, when he did that singing. And this that, the that, piano was this. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and that's what he was doing. Uh-huh. You know, and people didn't know what he was doing. But, yeah. Uh, John Belushi knew. <laughs> he got it down. Mm. Yeah. Joe, I worked with Joe once, and. uh we did. I did this show called. Uh, I had this friend named Joel Gallen, who actually started MTV Unplugged later on. But when he was coming up, he was working uh, with me with Felix Cavalieri. He was like our road manager, and then he moved out to LA, and he got a. a he was working with uh, Sid Vintage. Just, and they were like doing Showtime specials, Cinemax specials. Skinamax. And I said, man, if you ever do a special with James Brown, call me. I'll carry guitars. I'll pay you. So he calls me finally a couple years later. Remember what you said about if you ever, if you ever, if if I ever work with James Brown? He goes, well, I got this thing we're developing. It's called a Soul Session with James Brown on Cinemax, and uh, and we got. James Brown and Wilson Pickett, Aretha Franklin, Robert Palmer, uh, Billy Vera, who was around then. Uh, I can't, who else was on it? Oh, if that's that's not enough. I think that's enough. If that's not, well, you know, just Pickett, James Brown, and Aretha is pretty fabulous. So he goes, I need you to come. Uh, I'll give you a plane ticket and hotel and $500. You'll be be the music director. Uh, What year is this? Oh, I just want to know how much five hundred dollars is. Oh, I don't know. I think it's <laughs> not a lot. Not a I don't lot. know. I not think it's eighty, eighty-seven. Uh, you know, so eighty-six. Far. No, it was uh, nothing. Still not a lot. It was okay. nothing. But you were a James Brown fan. Says, but you yeah, don't yeah, have. Yeah, I said yeah, James yeah. Brown's there. Mm-hmm. What you have to do here was my gig. Oh, Joe Cocker was on it. That's where we were getting to. Right. So that's what. I fucking love Joe Cocker, yeah. by the way. And Joe Cocker was on. It was so yeah. sweet. And uh, and he says, "Here's what you have to do." You have to teach James Brown's band mm. how to play music that's not James Brown's. Uh-huh. Like Addicted to Love, Robert Palmer. Oh, right. you know, like whatever I it heard was. that song was originally Addicted to Coke. <laughs> could have been. Yeah, it could like, have been. You're up all night, your heart's bad. I don't know. Anyway, go Sure. Ahead. Yeah. It, well, it was love of Coke anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so Robert Palmer was also, I love Robert Palmer. Yeah. So, uh, so I said, okay, I'll do it. So I get there. And uh, he says, you got you to gotta get with Joe Cocker. He's going to do When a Man Loves a Woman, but we don't know what key. So meet him at the bar. So when I says, meet Joe. Meeting Joe Cocker at the bar mm-hmm. It's not a good idea. Why not? Well, because we got so trashed. Yeah. And then there was a piano <laughs> over there. He says, come on now, let's figure out the key. And we go that and sit sounds down. Sounds perfect to I'm me. I'm playing. <laughs> we like 10 scotches to the wind or whatever. And I'm playing When a Man Loves a Woman. And I start and whatever. And he keeps going higher. So he says, next key, higher. I said, how will we know? And he said, well, when it hurts right here, yeah. I'll know I'm in the right key. Right. <laughs> and awesome. he was beautiful. Yeah. Boy, was he ever great, man. Yeah. You know. And then everybody did a duet with James Brown, too. And he, 
And so uh, when I, it was time for me to rehearse Mr. Brown's band, by the way. He's Mr. Brown. Oh, really? And I'm up there, and Maceo's being really cool, you know, and, and, and Charles Shirell, who played bass with him for years, has now graduated to being band leader. And he gets a clavinet now, just to play on the clavinet. Mm. And so we start, we're playing Addicted to Love, and I got both drummers going. It's a really cool thing happening. Man, this is killing. Mm. You know, we got the horn chart going, everything. And then Charles Sherrell stops the band, and he looks out and he says, on the floor, he goes, Mr. Brown wants to speak to you. Mm. There's James uh -oh. Brown, all like five foot two of them standing there, right? <laughs> and. And he's got, you know, it's that look where he's got that jumpsuit and a scarf, you know. Mm. <laughs> he's James Brown. And he has hair. It's like, well, just like, you know. Killing. It looks like my mother in 64, <laughs> man, you know, like yeah. teased up. Just killing, right? Mm -hmm. And and wraparounds again, you know. And uh, Could you see his eyes? Could not see his okay. eyes. So I, I <laughs> me, my in my big, tall, five-foot-nine-ness, uh -huh. I have to, like, lean down towards him. Yeah. And he says, how come you got... Two drummers playing. Good question, by the way. <laughs> I said. I mean, I get it. I said. I said. I said. Cause there's two. <laughs> Good answer. And I said. I didn't want to leave anybody out. Right. <laughs> and you know, and he said, "Well, I said, Mr. Brown, why do you have two drummers? Uh huh. Well, one gets tired, the other one picks it up without missing a beat. Wow. He was true to that. Yeah." You know, because he'd worked that band straight through. You know, but we're on a TV show. We're cutting, cutting the tune. We're stopping, you know. Mm. I said, well, you know. He says, well, you can, you can do that, but not on my music. I said, sir, I have nothing to do with what happens on your music. Mm. And I made sure I didn't use the word teacher band. You know, I didn't say, I'm here to teach your band. How to, no, I said, I'm here to run through other people's material with the band, mm. you know. And make sure we're all together. Yeah, what he, he said. Say? Okay, you can use the two drummers. Okay, but not on my music. Not on my music. You know, that's beautiful. And he never. And I had seen him before and didn't realize <laughs> that was what was going on. Because yeah. you know, when you go to see James Brown, what are you doing? You're watching him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's the show. People he's are changing. Lit. He's uh, like, you he's don't know what's going on, out. what they're doing, or why. You're just watching him. You when, know? He, when he is it true that he would find musicians if they made a mistake? Oh, sure he would. Yeah. Like that? Yeah. That's funny. But he was nice as could be that day, yeah. you know. It was about him. Mm -hmm. It was an honor, and see, to see him and Pickett together. Wasn't know. he on Conan? Yeah, yeah. He was great. We were rehearsing. We had Danny Ray there too. You know, Danny Ray was the guy. And now the star of the show, Mister Dynamite, uh, James Brown. He was there. Yeah. So we <laughs> had him in this little rehearsal room, not much bigger than the space we're in, mm. and we're running over that. Such hits as "Good Foot," bam, hit a chord, bam. Yeah. And, the, and then when he gets to the end, the door opens and there's James Brown. He like hears that thing that, and he just, he comes. it's like Pavlov's <laughs> dog. It's like, you know, and I went through that one other time with him. Uh, this was a great night of doing the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Mm. And Benny King was being honored. So I was the band leader that night. And, uh, and James Brown was there. And so was, uh, so was Bobby Womack, so was Paul McCartney, uh, so was James Taylor, Brian Wilson, uh, Billy Joel. Schaefer was there as a guest. So um, I said to Paul, James Brown's going to come up at this point in the show, and we're going, um, he's helping me still this late. Mm -hmm. 
I said, James Brown's going to come up. I, you think he'll sing? And Paul says, if you hit the chord, the cold sweat chord, He's he'll, he'll, he can't help himself. Right. So he did. He gets up there. We go, ah, come here, sister. And he yeah. goes, man. And, and he goes, goes and does it. And he, and, he, and, he, and he mashed potatoes across the stage. Man. That's and, genius. And the dude. only other thing that night, the only, the only other moment that was so amazing to me was at the end of the night, oh, everybody's up there to sing Stand By Me. Uh -huh. and, they're, and they're pairing off like three or four to a microphone, you know, and, mm. and it comes time for Paul McCartney to sing a verse of Stand By Me. That's intense. And he turns around to me and says, John never let me sing this one. Right. He's that, getting away with something. Yeah. He's wow. telling me that's I'm funny. getting away with something, that's, and he's like a 12-year-old kid. Well, that's the first thing I thought of when you said he was about to sing this. I was like, that was John's jam. It was. Yeah. And and he was, <laughs> like, but he was so getting away with it. Yeah. He was so like he was thrilled. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and you could see the love for John Lennon. And the respect Woo, right there, you could just no, you just see it like that, big dude. brothers, not yeah. you know, the parents are right. away, you know. Yeah. And and there was a uh, somebody told me a story that was at you know working with the Wilburys when they mm -hmm. when they were making the record, right? You know, and uh, and at one time, Bob says to George, you know, I'm the only songwriter on my records, and I. You know, you had a band with three great songwriters right. and singers. How did you decide, George, like, what, you know, what songs you were going to do? Right. And George says, without missing a beat, we all knew John's were better. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, everybody, to everybody in that band. That's crazy, dude. Yeah, yeah but, you know, even, even in all the competitiveness, yeah. you know, they all respected him above all. Right. Even though George became the best songwriter. Yeah. In the end. It, like, because John is like, yeah, kind of like my, been my de facto favorite, I guess. Like, but, but yeah, like when, in, in, when you really analyze it, it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, Paul McCartney's songs are crazy yeah. and so are George's. Like, yeah, in, in you, that, so you think George's, be, he became the best. Well, he huh? did because outside of the Beatles, he's yeah. the best songwriter without a doubt. Mm. Because all that stuff they wouldn't record, he had backlogged. You know? Oh yeah, I mean, all, that, all, all things, things must, must pass. pass stuff. I got to record in his studio in England because I was in a band with Danny Harrison yeah. and and Ben Harper called Fistful of Mercy. Yeah, so I got to go to his studio and it's like, yeah. oh, there's the, that. Well, I got you know. to be good friends with Danny. You know, he's, yeah, he's a good he's a kid. sweetheart. Sweetheart. Yeah, shout know? out Danny. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a good. It's one. amazing the way the room moves with Danny though. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? You know the the people around him, the yeah. support that yeah. he has, and and you know we we love Danny, and you know he would rather be on a skateboard. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you know. <Right. laughs> so I love that about him. Yeah, it's like well let's let's this is enough of this music stuff. Let's go sh you know skateboarding or, yeah. or basketball or something. Right. You know because it's it it's funny that came up a different way. It was it, you know he didn't have to do he didn't have to come up from nothing doing it, but he's got the talent. Yeah, he does. And he's a really good guitar player. Talent. Yeah. You know, and a good and a writer. And great, a great singer. A great singer. Yeah. Great singer. And and only, you know, and he got I think the the thing with Jeff Lynn was great, you know, him yeah, like the, Uncle Jeff. You yeah, know? he's doing that tour. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, uh, I, I was following him on the Insta. And, and he's always uh, followed his own muse, you know. Mm -hmm. We've done things before. You know, we we did some George Harrison shows together, and, right. you know. And uh 
He's and he talks about his dad with such reverence as a player and mm-hmm. as a singer and you know I mean it's. Uh, did you ever work with George? Uh no, no, no you never I, did. I didn't. You know, and uh, I uh, I'm sure people that did always say he was just humble. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't. All those guys, though, man. I mean, to a man, all four of them are incredible uh, forces. Yeah. You know, even even to this day, you know, there's no no band like that. You know. And, no. You know, and, and though I love the Stones as much. Me too. It's like you know. I'm a big and head. the To Who. I, I love you know the, the Stones. To Who. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a Stones guy. Yeah. We could go on forever, but we we do have to cut we have to it wrap it, don't we? And, and coming back to the Beatles and the Fab Four, when this airs, the next time you will be in town is to support your show. Oh yeah, yeah, we we're doing those. those uh, what is it? Not that you need the, the cutting room. You don't is need it the eight shows in seven days or something. Uh, yeah, we'll be at the at the whew. cutting room, but it's a city winery show. Really, yeah, they're yeah. promoting it there. You know, in, in, uh, yeah, that's yeah, so funny because I, I I've been for ten years doing. Uh, the next day, I New do, the, day I do Jan- January 1st oh, show. Oh, okay. For, I, I've been following y'all. And uh, yeah, this year I'm doing two nights at City Vineyard, January 1st and January 2nd. Right, that's still like, happening, right? Yeah, because yeah. it's like, yeah, the, the city winery's closed down. But so I don't even know if I'll see Shlomo or, or, or any of those guys. They'll be there for yours. They'll stuff. be there. They yeah. come, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the next but it's time, cool that we found another way to do it for yeah, this, he's gotta for be, this year. He's gotta, be, he's gotta be watching over the beans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's it's ju- his gig, I really. It's December 27th, yeah. And Michael, you think? I wonder if those... They'll all come. They'll come to your show, yeah. And two shows on New Year's. Right. Yeah. 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 So it's eight shows. Yeah. I think and in seven days, or something like that. Yeah. Or seven and six. I can't remember. Twenty six, seven, eight, nine. Thirty. Yeah. Thirty one. Seven shows. Thirty. And yeah. there's JimmyVivino.com, which I know exists. I think. I, I don't even know. Is that right? Did you check yeah. it for me? Because uh, Your website is cool. I, it's got I, your yeah. shows listed. Yeah. At Jimmy V Music, too. I guess Instagram and is that Facebook, your, is which that I, don't, your, I don't use you don't the use, Facebook. Well, I mean, neither do I. I'm, I'm like, I, we post on Facebook. I, I check Instagram. I'm on yeah. that. You yeah. So on now Instagram? I made a friend today, okay? You. Yeah. I made a friend that I didn't know. Yeah. But I'm not going to make friends on, in, on, on Facebook. Facebook. No. Right. No, I'm not. Yeah. I got too many friends I don't even see or talk to. Seems you don't have mm-hmm. time for Facebook. You're too busy. Well, I mean, it, you know, Instagram wastes enough of my time. You we know? made friends today, but I remember you as a friend anyway, just because when I would do like Conan or something, you were like. You would give like a nod, like yeah. You would, you, you, you were there with Ben and you Danny, would, you right? Would, yeah, 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 yeah. You would give a nod and be like, "Cool." I don't know, like you, yeah, you, you, cool. you, you had a comforting vibe about, like, I don't know. You welcomed musicians coming in. I to like play. them all. Yeah, you know, uh, anybody that's doing something, you know, what's with been an like? Instrument. What's your like? Uh, like, do you have any standout like moments that you can think of real quick? Well, before we wrap it up, like <sighs> standing next to BB King, right? The thrill is gone. Okay, Al Green. Damn. Isaac Hayes, okay, you know Ruth two, Brown yeah. and Bonnie uh-huh. Raitt, you know Bonnie Raitt and Little Milton. Bonnie Raitt's a sweetheart. Uh, you know, just I mean Ray Davies. Oh man, the best. Yeah. Every time and Ray got Ray and I got to be friends, he wanted me to tour with him at one point, just the the two man show. Yeah. So we used to meet over. At and you never JG. did, huh? We used to meet at uh, little. Used to be a little bar behind the Beacon Theater. It had a martini, said steaks and chops, you know, and we used to meet over there and. And I would I would pump Ray. Ray loved to talk about shit, man. Mm-hmm. 
you know. So so he was he was cool, man. And uh, and then I got to be friends with Dave too. I think that they're the unsung heroes of. I saw them every chance I got when I was a kid. Unsung heroes of what? Rock uh, and roll. Yeah, yeah of, of of the British invasion. I mean, people rate them pretty very highly. Uh, yeah, they should be rated higher. Yeah. You know. Uh-huh. They say Beatlestones. Do they say Beatlestones kinks? No, they no, don't. They they don't. No, they say Beatlestones who maybe. Yeah. Mm. But the who couldn't get arrested till 68. Right. You know? <laughs> the Kinks were ki- kicking ass. Man. And the Kinks like with like you really got me and all that. It was Smart like almost like song. punk rock. Yeah. Like no, invent- it was riffs. Yeah, the riffs are crazy. You know. The you first thing you hear on that is, names. is Jimmy Page. So the riff. Yeah. Not the solo. People thought it, keep saying it's the solo. No, it's the riff. No, Ray and Dave both say Ray said I couldn't sing it and play it at the same time. Right. You know, in the studio. I was too nervous. Yeah. So Jimmy Page plays the rhythm guitar. Oh. Dave plays the lead. That's funny. Yeah. I didn't know So that. the very first thing you hear from the kinks is Jimmy Page. I didn't know that. That's Jimmy Page? That's Jimmy Page. Oh, my God. Wow. Because Ray says that would have been me live, you know. I'd be doing that part. That's crazy. Jimmy Page. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Hurdy Gurdy, man. He's on all kinds of great stuff. Oh, he's stuff. on that, too? He's on all kinds of great stuff, man, back then. And John Paul Jones was doing string charts. I got to play with him recently. Yeah. Because he, he's in Toto Santos a lot. And yeah. So he, like, I'm out, out there a lot with Peter Buck. I got a band going with Peter Buck now. Yeah. And so, and John Paul Jones sat in with us last time we sat there. Well, with those guys. Yeah. I could talk to Plant or Page all day long mm-hmm. about Howlin' Wolf or Muddy Waters and have a real comfortable conversation without what I call the wall. You could, if you start talking about Led Zeppelin to those guys, you can see the bricks going up, coming up yeah. right yeah. in your face. Yeah, you know, you become oh another one. You know? <laughs> we talk about Muddy Waters. Yeah, talk about Howlin' Wolf, and they're like pulling out cassettes. Page was traveling when he was with Black Crows with like a cassette player and his blues cassettes mm. playing stuff for me going, listen to that, you know, and that and that. And John Paul Jones, on the other hand, loves to talk about, you know, exactly. what his role was. Yeah. And I'd ask him questions like, what is that synth you're playing on the crunge, you know? Mm-hmm. And what is that? Oh, it's a Voyetra or something, you know, yeah. some kind of an early synthesizer, you know, and he was... Uh, he doesn't get the credit either. Oh for, man, really? Because I, I think of him as like everybody the says Bonham, you know. Genius, but it's like so. Yeah, yeah. Everyone in that band is like he just was ama- his epic. His work is amazing. In Absolutely. Band. Oh yeah. yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Best bass player. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Townsend recently said some terrible things about Moon. Really? <laughs> Did you read it? No. Did anyone read it? No. You can look it up. What did he say? I never liked the way they <laughs> some crap. He's just stirring up shit. I think he's senile, man. Sorry, really? Pete. Yeah. Sorry, you know. Yeah, you can't be dissing Keith Moon. You know, and 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 whistle. You know. Come oh, on. really? Wow. You know, as a bass player. Yeah, and that's unapproachable. Amazing. Yeah, it is. Even the way it happens when he taps. Well, him. that's a that's a magic band, right? Yeah, there. it's a magic like, band. I don't, yeah. I don't know why people would diss it. Well, the fact Especially is, though, Pete's a it. songwriter. Yeah. You know. Roger's the voice, mm-hmm. you know, and those two guys are the just the rock and roll. Pete's just, you know, Pete's playing the songs, yeah, but what's going on behind him? Like mm. you said, drum and bass. And you'd be fired. Yes, Anyone so. else would be fired from a band for playing the way those two guys <laughs> I did. I know, they, play, they were wild, but that worked with them. Oh, it works great. It's the yeah. joyful sound of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I, I, we're we done. Need a, huh? We need a part two with you. Yeah, they got to yeah, set up the room, uh, and we really appreciate you for coming down. Good luck like, editing. You don't edit; just going no, out live. No, this is this was amazing. Is what it is. It I was mean, amazing. We got to edit out my Starbucks rant because <laughs> I, I come off looking like a jerk. <laughs> no, we won't. Uh, we won't. We won't edit that's that. A good way to slide yeah. into we got to leave it. it all in warts and all. That's, that's yeah. a good way to slide into it. Yeah. 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 Hey Jimmy, that was awesome. Thank you for yeah, doing this, man. Yeah. It went by in a flash. And uh, thanks for the coffee. Oh, you're very welcome. And what you went through to get it. I mean, I went through <laughs> hell and back. All right, thanks, Ehud. Thanks, Thank everybody. You. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Christine. <laughs> thanks, Christine. Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated.